Good morning to those of you who are with us in the building and to those of you who are watching online. It's good that you can join us today for uh, our worship. I want to start today by thanking the folks who led worship over the past three Sundays uh, while I was away. Next week, we are uh, going to be joined by Fiona Kennedy, and Fiona uh, is training to be an ordained local minister, uh, and she's going to be doing her probationary placement with us, and she's going to be with us for a year, uh, and it'd be really good to have uh, her, uh, and I hope that you will be uh, kind and welcoming uh, and generous to her uh, as she comes to spend that time with us, and that Uh, she'll be able to to learn and grow uh, in her experience and in faith uh, with us together. Although I've been on holiday, um, other folk have been uh, leading worship, and we've been doing a little series on family, uh, family at different ages and stages, uh, our own families and church family. Uh, We recognize that not all families are the same, not all young people are the same, not all old people are the same, and I want to preface, therefore, what I'm going to say today uh, by saying I'm generalizing Okay, so when I talk about old people and young people, I'm generalizing, um, and I will sometimes say something for effect, just to let you know. Lindsay is going to come uh, and pray for uh, others, and then Linda is going to read our Bible passage. Lord, as we come together this morning, we want to thank you. Thank you that for the first time in so long, we are able to raise our voices together in this space in communal worship. And Lord, we pray for those who are with us in spirit and online, as well as in this building, that they may have taken the same joy from that as we have. Lord, you heard us in the silence, but it is good to be able to raise our voices. We thank you that after such a time of isolation that we can come together again, still not in the ways we're used to, but still together. This week, as athletes of so many disciplines have come together in Tokyo for an Olympics like no other, We thank you for the hope they bring and for the chance to have our eyes opened to the world, to hear the names of nations we usually forget, to hear about places we will never see and to see those who have no country to call home. We thank you that the Olympics remind us to strive to be the best we can be. And this year in particular, that it is not enough just to be faster, higher, stronger, but that to be our best, we must also work together. We thank you that whilst Adia might be empty, that technology means that across the world, people will be able to watch their nations compete, to support the unlikely underdog and celebrate athletes' remarkable feats. Lord, we ask that that sense of unity that the Olympics and Paralympics can bring will spread past sport to the human stories and beyond these few weeks. That they help us to see more of what we have in common and remind us all that we are part of something bigger than our everyday experience. We thank you for everyone who has worked to make these games happen, and we ask that you would keep everyone involved safe. There have been so many difficult decisions over the last 18 months, Lord, and the best choices have not always been made. But Lord, we ask for wisdom now and the best possible outcomes in Japan, here and around the world. We pray for those whose lives and livelihoods have been impacted or taken by the extreme flooding in Europe and in China, the heat waves and the fires that rage across your world. Lord, we can see the impact we are having on this world you placed in our care more clearly than ever. And we try, and as we try and make the small changes in our own lives, 
we pray for those in governments around the world, that the difficult decisions would not simply be put off, that they would be able to work across political and national divides, that these decisions are not made in isolation, but that the changes required for climate justice would also bring steps towards social and economic justice. May we work together to these ends and to bring this world closer to your kingdom. Amen. Good morning. The reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 16. Hagar and Ishmael. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai had said. And so, after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. So she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Birlahar Roy. It still is there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. God will bless the reading of his word. Amen. Thank you. So we're going to sing uh, again the song, What a Beautiful Name. The writer of the book of Proverbs says this in chapter 20, verse 29. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. doesn't really mention what happens when you're male and go bald. But you get the point.
experience of life is an incredibly valuable thing, but it's only of use if you learn from it. Abram twice pretended that his wife was his sister. We're told she was very beautiful, and he was worried that if somebody knew that they were married, they would kill him to get her. So twice they pretended that they were brother and sister. Both times he survived, but it was a disaster for the people who were unwittingly caught up in the lie. Our reading today teaches us a number of things. Number one, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him to leave his home, his family, and move to a different country. 75 years old. I'll just repeat that in case you missed it the first time. Somehow, you see, we seem to have this idea that God only calls younger people. But there are loads of examples in the Bible and through the history of God's people. Folk who have been called later in life and done an incredible work for God, and those who have continued working for God into their old age. Second, God has plans for us at every age and stage of life. God had promised Abram and Sarah that they would be blessed with heirs, but they had no children. They had waited, but nothing had happened. And in this story, we see that they decided not to wait for God, but to take matters into their own hands. Now, most of us, I suspect, have done that at some point in our lives. I suppose we can console ourselves that our decision didn't result in millennia of enmity between people groups in the Middle East. But it's never good to take God's plans and ignore them and do our own way. Thirdly, God's plans for us sometimes require patience. Abram, 75 years old when he was called, and in subsequent years, God made promises of blessing. He was 86 when Ishmael was born. At 99, his name was changed to Abraham. The name Abram means exalted father. Now, that's a promise from God. Abraham adds a root to that, which is multitude. So Abraham now is going to be the father of multitudes. God makes him the promise that through him and his line, all people on earth will be blessed. He is our spiritual father in terms of that line through to Christ and to us. Fourthly, as well as patience, God's plan often requires that we play our part. There was no immaculate conception in this story. They had to still have sex. You know, that was part of the process and the plan. These children were conceived in the usual way. They had to do their bit. And lastly, we also learn that older people can be as stupid, dishonest, selfish, and irresponsible as the rest of us. All the talk of the beauty and value of wisdom that comes from age goes straight out the window in this story. They were irresponsible. They, they, just, they just didn't get it. 
Moses was 80 when he saw a bush that appeared to be in fire but wasn't being burned up. So he went over and God was there and God spoke to him and God called him at 80 years old to go and to free the Israelites from Egypt and to save them from slavery. He used his experience of growing up in Pharaoh's palace and his skills and leadership in the task that he was given. He died aged 120, having spent 40 years with the moaning at him in the wilderness. What a way to spend your last 40 years. Ah, better back in Egypt. Ah, why can we not go back to Egypt? And all that stuff. And he never got to the promised land. Why? Because even in his old age, he was angry and he was disobedient and he did something he shouldn't have done and God punished him for it. Even in his old age. John was 99 years old and in jail when he had a vision from God that is the book of Revelation. When Mary and Joseph took that baby Jesus to the temple... There was an old man, Simeon, and God had told him that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah. And when he saw Jesus, he was so full of joy and excitement that he began to praise and worship. And he said, God, now I can die in peace because I've seen your salvation. Anna was there. Anna, a prophetess. She was described as a widow and very old. She was 84. Take that however you like. At least 84, I think, is maybe a better way of, of, of working that out. We're told she spent her time fasting, praying, and worshiping. And when she saw Jesus, we're told that she gave thanks to God for him. I hope that even if you are one of our older members, when you think about Jesus and what he's done, there is something in your spirit that just wells up in joy and in praise and in thanksgiving, that you've not lost that over the years. The point is that there is no cut-off date. There is no age at which we get to say that God is finished with us. And neither is there a time when we can say that we've done our bit. I did look up to see what the Bible says about retiring. And I was surprised to find a couple of verses. I felt I had to share them with you. The first one looked really promising. Numbers 8, 25. But at the age of 50, they must retire from their usual duties and work no longer. And I thought, ha-ha, excellent. They're talking about Levites doing their religious duties. Surely as a minister, that qualifies me. I must contact one to one and see if they'll give me a retirement package. However, as ever, taking a verse out of context is not a good thing. So when you read the whole context, what you discover is that Levites were called by God to work from age 25, and they served a five-year apprenticeship, and they finished at 50 because the work was too hard. But they were expected from age 50 to help the others. They didn't get to sit back and do nothing. The second reference to retirement is a story from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. Jesus spoke about a farmer, and, and he had made a, a lot of money. He had become wealthy, and there was a year when he didn't have enough room for all of his crops. So he decided that he was going to um, pull down the barns that he had, and he was going to build bigger, better barns, and he was going to fill them with all the food. And then Jesus says, the farmer says, uh, said to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made. You can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. And just then, God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die. 
and your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Of course, the context of that story is is about someone who ignores God, not someone who follows and and wants to follow God. But many of us who, who are believers spend our time worrying about and planning for retirement and putting money aside and pensions and property is fine. But we need to make sure our priorities are right, that we're not spending all our time worrying and in anxiety and doing that and not just giving ourselves to the Lord. I've got 10 years to go until I can retire. I want these to be the best 10 years so far. But I know that when I do get to that point, when I retire from full-time ministry, I don't just stop. There are still things that I want to do and that I will do. You don't just stop your work and service for God. Psalm 71 Uh, Verses 18 and 19 says this. Now that I am old and my hair is gray, don't leave me, God. I must tell the next generation about your power and greatness. God, your goodness reaches far above the skies. You've done wonderful things. God, there's no one like you. It may be that you can no longer physically manage things that you did before, but there will always be people who need nurture and support, encouragement and prayer. And just as I encourage younger people to look for someone older to befriend, so I want to encourage those of you who are older to look for younger people to befriend. Tell them your stories. Tell them what God has done in your life. Tell them about the times you got it wrong and what you learned from it. You know, we're we're trying to find a way to engage with students. Many of them are away from home. Some are from other countries. And so they might really value surrogate family. Could you do that? Could you just spend some time getting to know somebody? Taking them for a coffee and a chat, go for a walk. Be that support and encouragement. I often hear people saying, I'm too old or I don't have the energy. Well, just in case you thought you'd get away with that one, I have two references straight from the Bible to put you right, as it were. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Paul again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That is why we are not discouraged. Though outwardly we are wearing out, inwardly we are renewed day by day. Our suffering is light and temporary and is producing for us an eternal glory that is greater than anything we can imagine. I don't know if you feel that you're wearing out outwardly. Do you know, it it happens. We know that as we get older, that the knees get sore, the ankles get sore, the arthritis sets in, bits began to droop where they didn't droop before, bits maybe even fall off, who knows? Certainly your hair does if you're a man very often. Maybe you feel that outwardly you're wearing out, but I hope that inwardly, 
as you spend time with God, as you trust Him, as you follow Him, as you look for His plans and His purposes for your life, you are being renewed day by day, knowing that as you work for Him, as you serve Him, as you honor Him with your life, what you are doing is producing an eternal glory that will be seen in you and through you, that you'll get in, in heaven. There is no retirement age for God's people. And maybe you'll, you'll listen to this online, or, or maybe somebody will tell you about it because you, you don't access the internet, and you think, well, there's nothing for me. I can't do anything. You can pray. Prayer is invaluable. I know there are people who have prayed for me for years. And I really value that. I'm really grateful for those prayers of people over the years. And as I've sought to, 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 to say to God, what is it you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I have valued the prayers of people at those moments. And so don't say there's nothing I can do. If you're praying for people, you're doing something really important. So I want to encourage you to find folks younger, older, folks that you don't know already would be good, and spend time with them, encouraging, helping, learning with and from each other, to build each other up in love, faith, and service. Amen. Our hymn uh, is an older uh, hymn. Hopefully, uh, most of you will know it. It's the hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Father, take hold of our lives, fill us with your Spirit, and send us out into your world as examples of your grace and witnesses to your love. And as we go, may your blessing, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with us now and always. Amen. <laughs>